Imagine a scenario where you're in the mood for a true crime podcast. You take out your headphones and press play on the first recommendation. You're excited to delve into an eerie and chilling case. Is someone missing? Is there a conspiracy about to be uncovered? As you listen to the beginning, you're met with a startling surprise. The podcast sucks. And now imagine that you're listening to a different podcast, one that exceeds your expectations. The storytelling is well done. The details are thoroughly researched. The music is chilling and unsettling. And then there's the best part. You get to listen to my deep and creepy voice. When you listen to Still Unsolved, you get to join us as we bring the true crime genre back to its roots. Every week, we highlight different cases of missing persons, wanted felons, unsolved murders, and the truly bizarre occurrences of life. Subscribe to Still Unsolved wherever you like to listen to your podcasts and join us. With your help, some of these cases may no longer be an unsolved mystery. You're listening to True Crime Feed. Welcome to True Crime Feed. I'm your host, Angela Ferrari, reviewing the best true crime podcast from the past decade with a teensy bit of humor, plus my top three true crime picks of the week. Hello, my listener loves. Today on the docket, a story of romance gone wrong just in time for Valentine's Day. Let's discuss the case for Dr. Death Season 3, Miracle Man. Here's a rundown from the show. Paulo is a smart and handsome surgeon renowned for his ability to perform surgeries that transform his patients' lives. When television producer Benita covers him for a story, he'll transform her life too, but not in the way she expects. As Benita crosses professional lines to be with him, she learns how far Paolo will go to protect his secrets. And halfway around the world, four doctors at a prestigious medical institute make shocking discoveries of their own that call everything into question. This is the story of a globe-trotting surgeon who seduces the medical world and sweeps one woman off her feet. And to take your listening experience to the next level, go to thetruecrimefeed.com and sign up for my newsletter where I curate visual aids to accompany the show. I've got some before and after the fallout photos of Dr. Paolo. Oh man, these past few years have not been good to this flim flam man. You also get to see pics of other key players involved and the prestigious institution that allowed him to flourish for so long. I am hot on this current season of Dr. Death Bad Magic right now, and I knew I wanted to do an episode solely dedicated to Dr. Death Season 3 before I even launched this podcast. These past few months, some new properties have been released, a documentary on Netflix, and a scripted show starring Mandy Moore, all about the story of Dr. Paolo Macarini, who my spell check always wants to autocorrect to Paolo Macaroni. Seems more fitting. These TV shows are great and all, but you can't beat the OG Dr. Death podcast that originally aired back in 2021. 
Wondery took it out of the feed and put it behind a paywall, but you can still listen back to the series on YouTube, and you absolutely should. Reporter and host Laura Beale does a masterful job balancing the salacious romantic story with heavy-hitting science reporting. Paolo is one man, but there are widespread implications dealing with research and funding, plus whistleblowing, and it demonstrates how hard it is to question and put a stop to medical malpractice. This series highlights major flaws in the system that are terrifying. And those details in Laura Beale's investigation bump this show into a highbrow soap opera. And just for fun, I'm going to start a running red flag counter. How many of these will we collect before Paolo Macaroni finally gets his comeuppance? Let's find out together and begin this fractured fairy tale romance now. We begin circa 2012. Paolo Macarini has skyrocketed to global acclaim after being the subject of a newly released documentary called Supercells. In this documentary, we follow the story of a young mother in Russia named Yulia Tulik, a former ballet dancer and model. Yulia's life drastically changed after her windpipe was damaged in a car accident. Her condition wasn't fatal, but it was incredibly challenging. She had trouble breathing, eating, and speaking. Then she learned of Dr. Paolo Macarini and his groundbreaking new procedure, implanting artificial tracheas into patients using their own stem cells. This was Yulia's best chance to return to her normal, happy life. The Supercells documentary crew followed her every step of the way through her surgery. And it was a miraculous success. Post-procedure, Yulia is paraded in front of a cheering audience where they hear her speak for the first time. This success paves the way for future procedures in Europe and the U.S. Dr. Paolo is about to perform another artificial trachea transplant, this time on a two-year-old named Hannah Warren. Hannah was born without a trachea, and she's been hooked up to a feeding tube her entire life. Children born with this condition don't usually live past the age of six, so if successful, this procedure would save her life, allowing Hannah the chance to taste food and run around and play like a typical toddler. The surgery will take place in OSF St. Francis Medical Center in Peoria, Illinois, and Hannah's journey will be covered by Dateline in an episode titled Leap of Faith. And this is when investigative journalist slash Dateline producer Benita Alexander first crosses paths with Dr. Paolo Macarini. The usually calm, cool, collective Benita finds herself getting flustered around this superstar surgeon. She first meets with him for an interview slash dinner, and the vibes are flirty right away. Benita describes Paolo as sophisticated, well-dressed, with a subtle hint of bad boy rebellion like George Clooney with an Italian accent. I first listened to this podcast back in 2021, and it was only recently after the Netflix documentary came out where I finally saw what everyone looked like. And yo, I do not get the hype around Paolo. Maybe his charisma translates better in person, but the photos? He looks like George Clooney crossed with Pooh Bear. Benita is pretty close to what I pictured, with just a smidge more eyeliner. She's a gorgeous, stylish, worldy New Yorker. It does make sense that they'd be attracted to each other. 
Everything's ready to go for Hannah's surgery. Ooh, but right before they're about to start the proceedings for the procedure slash film project, the Dateline team gets word that Dr. Paolo Macaroni is being accused by some former patients in Italy of extorting them for extra money. Paolo insists to Benita and her team that this is all a big misunderstanding. He was simply trying to offer them a better alternative to the care they were getting in the hospitals. This seems to check out. They get the okay to proceed with Hannah's surgery and filming for Dateline. Her first procedure is a success. Hannah makes it through the trachea transplant. She's able to show off her full smile and even taste food for the very first time. Dateline captures an adorable exchange of Paolo presenting little Hannah with a lollipop. Everyone is just so impressed and endeared by the incredible Dr. Paolo. Even though he's the subject of her documentary, Benita finds herself getting closer to Paolo. At this time, she's experiencing some turmoil in her life. Her ex-husband, the father of her young daughter, is battling cancer, and things aren't looking good. Benita is struggling with what to tell her daughter. Should she try to protect her, but potentially give her false hope, or be blunt and lay out the probable reality that her father will most likely die very soon. Benita confides in Paolo, who tells her she needs to be honest with her daughter so she can prepare herself. A few months go by and Benita's ex-husband does pass away. It's devastating. Even though they were exes, Benita still cared deeply for this person and was heartbroken for her daughter. Paolo offers to help her find closure. He sweeps Benita away on his motorcycle to a special spot near the ocean where Benita can place some birds of paradise flowers into the water and say her goodbyes. It's a very emotional moment and it bonds the two of them together to the point where they can't deny their deep emotional and romantic connection anymore. Things get physical, but Benita is adamant that they hold off having a full-on relationship until the documentary is complete. Paolo disagrees. He sends these dramatic, sappy messages to her that sound like they were written by a middle school boy. Then Benita gets sick. She has to have surgery and she's lying in a hospital bed recovering. When she has the epiphany that life is too short, she should just go for it with Paolo. Besides, principal filming is over for the Dateline special. But just as their relationship begins, she gets some troubling news. Benita learns, not from Paolo, by the way, that Hannah had a follow-up surgery on her esophagus and tragically has passed away due to complications. Benita confronts Paolo. How did this happen? She thought the procedure was a resounding success. Dr. Paolo's distraught, but gives very little explanation. You know, these things happen when you're dealing with a new medical breakthrough. Unfortunately, the first few patients don't always make it, but they can't air the documentary now as is. Instead, they have to do more filming with Paolo and re-edit the story to make it all about him. Now, Paolo and Benita are in their own little love bubble, traveling, going out to fancy, expensive dinners. Her friends and family are completely charmed by him, especially after he secretly took dance lessons and surprises Benita by dancing the bachata in the middle of a dinner with her friends. 
After waiting tables for 10 years, I can only imagine how, quote, charming this must have been to the waitstaff. Trying to do their job, run food to tables while old glory hog Pooh Bear face Dr. Macaroni is dancing in the middle of the aisle. A couple of Benita's close friends are getting a little bit of the icks from him, too. They start their own secret side group chat to discuss more red flags. Like this one. Dr. Paolo had like five different cell phones. His explanation was that he was a very important surgeon, you know, in addition to his cutting edge breakthrough techniques, he was also a doctor to the rich and famous, including former U.S. presidents. And because he was part of this secret doctor cabal, covertly meeting with A-list patients around the world, he needed a phone for his clients and colleagues in Russia, Sweden, Italy, the U.S., plus a phone for his ex-wife and kids from Barcelona. And for some reason, investigative journalist Benita didn't bat an eye at this. She thought it was all part of his charm and mystique. Benita was happily living in a fairy tale romance with Dr. Paolo. Then he popped the question, asking Benita to marry him. She said yes. Benita and her daughter would start a new life together in Barcelona with her real life Prince Charming. But unfortunately, that meant leaving behind her career, friends, and family back in New York. It was a tough decision. Benita loved her job. She'd worked so hard for it. But it was worth giving everything up for the love of her life. Especially because their wedding was going to be off the chisane. Y'all get ready for the red flag lightning round. Paolo wanted a big Catholic wedding in Italy. And since he was from there and had access to the A-list guest list, Paolo insisted to Benita that he would be in charge of all the wedding planning. All she needed to do was show up on the day in a pretty dress. That's right, the surgeon, who works all around the world, had time on the side to plan the wedding of the century. Benita wasn't soups comfortable with all this. First off, she wasn't Catholic, but she knew enough that they weren't super chill with divorce. And both she and Paolo had been married before. But don't worry, you guys. The new Pope Francis isn't like a regular Pope. He's a cool Pope who's ready to go a little more lax on the rules, you know, maybe attract some new parishioners into the fold after the church had recently experienced, let's say, some bad press. Oh, and also Pope Frankie happens to be a patient of Paolo's. And he personally wants to officiate the wedding, marrying them at his summer residence, Castel Gandolfo. There's this amazing part of the podcast where you hear the audio from a group phone call between Benita and her friends when she's telling them all about the wedding. The tape is wild. Benita is just beaming as she relays that the actual Pope is going to officiate and the guest list for the wedding will include the Obamas, the Clintons, plus the two piano-playing Johns, Elton and Legend, are slated to perform at the ceremony. Can you believe it? One of Benita's close friends gets off the group phone call and relays all of this info to her husband, who says, Either the Catholic Church is about to blow up, or Benita's life is. We'll check back in with Benita in just a moment. First, we need to visit the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, Sweden. 
home of the prestigious research slash medical university and hospital. Plus, this is where the Nobel Assembly awards the Nobel Prize in medicine. It's kind of a big deal. In the early 2010s, Dr. Paolo Maccarini was VIP surgeon at the Karolinska Institute. They were fangirling hard for this dude. Episode 3, titled Lab Rats, dives deep into the toxic culture and hierarchy at Karolinska during this time. A junior surgeon talks about how excited he was to watch the famous Dr. Paolo perform a surgery from the observation deck. Everything looked like it was going well. Things are wrapping up, but then the patient started to gush blood, and Dr. Paolo literally threw up his hands and walked out of the room, while another doctor had to quickly step in and save the patient from bleeding out on the table. Yeah, one of the reddest of red flags. But Paolo's standing at the hospital only grew. He's scheduled an artificial trachea replacement surgery on a woman named Yesem Satir in 2012. This was just after the groundbreaking Yuli Tulik surgery in Russia, but still before the Hannah Warren procedure in the U.S., if you're following along on this twisted timeline. The patient Yesem Satir is a lovely Turkish woman in her 20s. She underwent a controversial procedure for hand sweating, and that surgery was botched, damaging her windpipe. Like the young mom Yuli, Yeshem's condition was not fatal, just extremely challenging. Dr. Paolo requested all of her x-rays and medical records from the previous surgery. He should have had everything he needed to make the assessment if Yeshem was a good candidate or not for the artificial trachea replacement. However, he decided to do an exploratory surgery on her already very delicate and damaged trachea to get a closer look. This decision shocked many of his colleagues at the Karolinska Institute. The consequences were devastating. During this procedure, her lungs started bleeding. Eventually, Dr. Paolo does replace her trachea and he also removes her lung. As Yeshem is recovering, she starts coding in the middle of the night. Two doctors perform emergency life-saving measures, but it was a really close call. After performing the two surgeries on her, Paolo goes MIA, and Yeshem's condition goes from bad to worse. When I say worse, I mean she had to undergo an additional 191 procedures, including removing more of her organs that began to fail her and Paolo's KI colleagues are left to pick up the pieces and clean up his mess. They also start to ask questions of the so-called trachea miracle man, Dr. Paolo Maccarini. They raise alarm bells to the higher-ups about Yeshem's case. Paolo is called back to the hospital, but he blames all of her complications on the other doctor's interventions. One of the most heartbreaking scenes in the podcast is a description of Yeshem, who has gone through so much at this point, but she still adores her surgeon, Dr. Paolo. She hears he's returning to the hospital, and she's so excited to see him, hopeful that he will be able to fix the damage. Yeshem gets all dressed up, which again, in her condition, takes a lot of effort. The staff informs Dr. Paolo that Yeshem is eagerly expecting him. But Dr. Paolo Maccarini completely ignores her and never pays her a visit. 
Yeah, sirens, man. This behavior outrages his colleagues, Dr. Matt Fuchs, Dr. Carl Henrik Grinimo, Dr. Matthias Corbaccio, and Dr. Oscar Simonson. They look deeper into Paolo's patient's history. And to their horror, learn that the so-called groundbreaking success case of Yuli Tulik, the young, beautiful ballerina mom in Russia whose story was featured in the Supercells documentary. Yeah, it turns out she died a slow, painful death two years after the procedure. Her mother claimed Yuli started smelling like rotted meat and experienced the feeling of suffocation for the last two years of her life. Her case was celebrated as a success and was the jumping off point for all these future surgeries. Like Yeshams, who over the next year suffered multiple strokes, her teeth fell out, she went blind, and she too died a slow, painful death. These four doctors make a pact to put a stop to Dr. Paolo. Dr. Matias Corbaccio is my favorite talking head in the series. He is the snarky, pessimistic Eeyore of the group, dropping some of my favorite bombshell lines, bluntly saying, quote, I'd rather take a bullet to the back of the head than have one of Dr. Paolo's artificial trachs inserted into me, because the former would be less painful. Yeah, and during their investigation, these guys also discovered that Dr. Paolo skipped the non-human testing phase and jumped right into operating slash experimenting on humans. And he was performing this artificial trachea replacement procedure without ethical approval. According to Dr. Corbaccio, no ethical approval is the biggest no-no in science, equivalent to a class one felony. The whistleblower group submits a scathing report to the medical board and waits for the fallout. They know they took a huge professional risk doing this. Doctors that come forward as whistleblowers are likely to face major backlash, lose research funding, maybe even lose their medical license. Dr. Corbaccio describes his 20-year journey to get to this point in his career. He loves being a surgeon, and he's on edge waiting to hear what the board will do. He'd rather spend a few years in jail rather than lose his medical license, saying, quote, What else am I supposed to do? Play the Congos? Dude, no, but what he should be doing is hosting his own YouTube show called Corbacio's Corner, where he shares his hot takes on everything that's systematically wrong with the medical and research funding. This guy is equal parts painfully blunt and hilarious. Seriously, he needs his own spinoff show. I'm totally obsessed. He's the surgeon I'd be falling hard for. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> or am I? Dr. Matias Corbaccio, call me. Anyway, after waiting weeks for the board to respond to their report, guess what happens, you guys? Nothing. It seems like the Karolinska Institute was completely colorblind to bright red flags. Kind of like Benita Alexander. Even though the Karolinska Institute ignored the report, it somehow attracted the attention of the New York Times. So Dr. Paolo Macaroni is freaking out and Benita rushes to his defense. She believes him when he claims this is the work of his enemies back in Sweden who are jealous of him and trying to ruin his career. She helps him do damage control. It's super stressful, but also brings them closer together them against the world and they're looking forward to putting this mess behind them and celebrating their wedding which is only a few months away at this point 
And to unwind from all the stress, Benita has a spa day with her girlfriends. Benita turns off her phone, kicks up her feet, drinks champagne, and ignores the spa's quiet policy. After a fun, relaxing giggle fest of an afternoon, she turns her phone back on and sees an email from a friend with the subject line, quote, The Pope. That's when Benita gets the devastating news that the weekend of her wedding, the Pope will not be in Italy. Instead, he'll be poping around Latin America at an event that has been on the calendar for months. Benita is freaking out. She has one of her close friends call the hotel in Italy where the wedding is supposed to take place. They have no wedding scheduled for that weekend. Nothing has been booked for Benita, Paolo, and their guests. Yeah, Benita calls Paolo on one of his 12 cell phones. He's somewhere in Europe, but agrees to fly home right away and sort things out with Benita. Paolo rolls up to her apartment. She confronts him with everything. Shouting, screaming, crying. I mean, she quit her job. She's giving up her whole life in New York for him. What the hell was going on? Why all the lies about the wedding? And who is Paolo really? At one point, she even threatens to smack him with a champagne bottle. But Paolo's calm, and he admits to Benita it's time to tell her the whole truth. That's when he comes clean, making this startling confession. That being a rock star trachea surgeon was just his cover because he really works for the CIA, and he's a sniper. Mayday, mayday, red flag overload! Now the spell is broken. Benita realizes she's in the room with an unhinged man. She has no idea who he really is, but decides to play along with his lies and find out, embarking on her very own super secret double agent spy mission. Meanwhile, at the Karolinska Institute, the review board is peeved that this report was somehow leaked to the press, and one by one, the doctor whistleblowers were questioned by police. Dr. Matias Corbaccio is very much on edge, saying that he feels like a cat being thrown out of an eight-story building on repeat. The other whistleblower doctors describe the workplace tension. Tactics being used like scheduling them on call five overnights in a row, hoping they'll make a mistake on the job or quit. It sounds like the hospital is taking a place straight out of the Mean Girls burn book, except, you know, they're risking people's lives. And did I mention the Karolinska Medical Research Institute was ranked number one in Sweden, number five in Europe, and number 20 worldwide at the time? These shenanigans were taking place at an institute considered to be one of the best in the world. In the meantime, the wedding is called off. No, not between me and Dr. Matias Corbaccio. That's still very much on. However, Benita and Paolo decide to tell their friends that they are postponing the wedding due to unforeseen circumstances. But Benita still plays along like the supportive fiancé until she can gather more dirt on Paolo. On the weekend of her originally scheduled wedding date, Benita and her girlfriend secretly go to Italy to the Castel Gandolfo, where the Pope was going to, quote, marry them. Benita rocks a custom-made red dress that she was originally going to wear for her first dance with Paolo. Now it's her revenge dress. She snaps some dramatic photos for the gram. This is very much the point where Benita is full out producing herself for a future Dateline documentary and or a Lifetime movie, and I'm totally here for it. 
Next, Benita and her friends take the secret spy mission to Barcelona. This is where Paolo supposedly lives and where Benita and her daughter were supposedly about to uproot their lives and move to after the wedding. Benita wears a blonde wig as a disguise. They pile into a van. One of her friends is the DD while the others get plastered in the back. And the spy squad drives over to surprise confront Paolo at his home. He's there, along with his wife and two children. The spy gals don't want to make a scene in front of the youngsters, but they do make it very clear to Paolo that Benita now knows everything. She's devastated and starts ranting and raving on the van ride home in her blonde wig. It's all on tape and it's glorious. After her meltdown, she starts to think, if this skis kebab is this deceitful in his personal life, he's got to be fabricating details in his medical career too. So Benita does a very brave thing. Instead of crawling into a cave, keeping secret her embarrassing heartbreak shame, she makes it all very much public with a bombshell Vanity Fair article. Yes, it was humiliating to release her story to the masses, but it delivered a devastating blow to Paolo's miracle man surgeon reputation. The blowback against him was felt across the Atlantic to the Karolinska Institute. Now that Paolo's in the public eye for all the wrong reasons, they were forced to review his medical history. They find that yes, he should have done animal slash non-human testing of his artificial trachea replacements before performing the surgeries on humans. And also, yes, he was found to be acting negligently operating without ethical approval. Plus, some of the devices he inserted were known to be faulty. And yes, he performed these trachea surgeries on 11 patients and only one is still alive. And that person had to have their artificial trachea removed after complications and replaced with the donors. But despite all of this, the Karolinska Institute exonerated Paolo. For now, anyway. Meanwhile, my bae, Dr. Matthias Corbaccio, and his group of fellow whistleblowers work with another investigator slash documentary filmmaker to put all the pieces together and take down Dr. Paolo Macaroni once and for all. The documentary takes a year to come out. But this is the nail in the coffin for Paolo. His case gets taken up by the Swedish Prosecution Authority, he was convicted of causing bodily harm and his medical license was suspended. Eleven of his research papers have been retracted and several members of the Karolinska board resigned in disgrace. Since this podcast originally aired, Paolo Macarini was convicted of research-related crimes in Italy, plus sentenced to two and a half years in prison by a Swedish court for aggravated assault against patients. He will most likely serve his time in Spain. So in the end, this pioneer of artificial implants will now have to manufacture his own chest set in prison out of toilet paper, shoe paste, and dried macaroni. Uh, to quote Kristen Wiig in Bridesmaids, you can't trust anybody. My final thoughts on Benita, yeah, believing the Pope was going to marry you was pretty extra, but we all have our romantic fantasies. Hey, Dr. Matthias Corbaccio. 
And despite Benita's flaws, if it wasn't for her coming forward with the story, Paolo would have kept operating on at least a few more patients with impunity. Who knows if or when he would have ever been stopped. I really believe she helped save innocent lives. Plus, I mean, my God, how juicy is the story, right? So shout out to Benita. Let me know your thoughts. I think I lost track of all the red flags. But which one did you think was the most egregious? You can email me directly at Angela at thetruecrimefeed.com or join the True Crime Feed Facebook discussion group. Keep an open mind and be kind to fellow True Crime Feed friends. Stay tuned till after the break to hear my top three podcast power ranking of the week. Ah, hey you. I'm so glad we found each other and get to share our special love for true crime podcasts. I don't ever want you to miss out on a wild story. That would be a crime in itself. So be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on your podcast app and share your favorite episode with a friend so the next time you see each other, you can splurge about your latest true crime obsession. Thanks for spreading the word. And now back to the show. And we're back. Couple updates. I'm still listening to Murder 101 and Varmintown, both still awesome. I am, however, hovering over the trapdoor button when it comes to the Raven. I can't tell if Tim is going to drop any new scathing evidence about famed football player Ray Lewis's connection to the double murder or not. I kind of feel like I'm waiting on standby for this one to fully take off. I'll keep you posted. For now, here are the three shows currently trending that I think are worth a listen. I present to you this week's podcast power ranking. At the number three spot, we have Runaway Princesses. Here's a synopsis from the show page. The wives and daughters of Dubai's ruler live in unbelievable luxury. So why do the women in Sheikh Mohammed's family keep trying to run away? The New Yorker staff writer Heidi Blake joins In the Dark's Madeline Barron to tell the story of the royal women who risked everything to flee the brutality of one of the world's most powerful men. I'm not going to lie, it's a little weird hearing Madeline Barron in this one because it's very different from a typical season of In the Dark. But overall, the story's incredible. I've never heard anything like it, so I highly recommend The Runaway Princesses. At the number two spot, we have Dr. Death Bad Magic. Here's a rundown from the show page. When a charismatic young doctor announces revolutionary treatments for cancer and HIV, patients from around the world turn to him for their last chance. As medical experts praise Serhat Gamruku's genius, the company he co-founded rockets in value to over half a billion dollars. But when a team of researchers makes a startling discovery, they begin to suspect the brilliant doctor is hiding a secret. Man, any other week, this would have been my number one pick. It was insanity. Five episodes was not long enough. I needed way more about the murder for higher details. But the final episode summed up everything in such a way that you really felt the magnitude, the scale of this scheme. A fake doctor slash street magician con artist hoodwinked enough bozos to amass a majority of this publicly traded biotech company worth over half a billion. He did all this while looking like someone who's in a porno pretending to be a doctor. 
This story's ludicrous. Laura Beal, you've done it again. Hats off to this sick and twisted season of Dr. Death Bad Magic. And at the number one spot, we have Cover Up Body Brokers. Here's a reminder from the show page. For eight years, Megan Hess ran Sunset Mesa Funeral Home in the small town of Monroe, Colorado. She promised clients discounts on normally expensive cremations, a seeming kindness in a town where many are poor. But in the back of the funeral home, Megan's elderly mother, Shirley, was actually dismembering the dead. And then Megan was selling the body parts, heads, torsos, legs, to companies that claim to do medical research. Ugh, you guys, how sick is this show? I knew that Bodies art exhibition was shady, but yo. Actually, I shouldn't say any more to avoid spoilers, but I really, really want to talk about this one. So get at me in the Facebook group. And if you aren't already, get on the cover up Body Brokers train now. Now for my miss of the week. We have Killer Psyche. Here's a description from the show page. When a shocking crime occurs, people ask why. Was it about power, ego, or revenge? On Killer Psyche, retired FBI agent Candace DeLong draws on her decades of experience to reveal why these murderers and criminals committed these heinous acts. All right, I checked this show out because she did a psychological analysis of Dr. Paolo, and I was hoping to maybe learn something new. My expectations were very low, and they were not met. I totally respect Candace DeLong, but yo, this show is bland and basic, like eating a bowl of dried macaroni. For example, she explains what the term, quote, hopping on the bandwagon means in reference to institutions championing Paolo Macarini. Ugh, I can't do it, Candace. I'm hopping off the wagon and sending Killer Psyche down my podcast queue trapdoor. Find out next week if cover-up body brokers will remain in the number one spot as the series concludes or if a new show will cut in and take its place. Let me know what trending shows are in your top three and what show fell through your podcast queue trapdoor. I'll meet you back here next week to dust off another superb true crime show from the archive for your next feeding fix. That's all for today's true crime feed. Don't forget to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I post links to my top three favorite shows of the week and bring you fabulous visual aids for every episode. Be sure to follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to join the conversation. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and tell your fellow partners in crime to tune in to True Crime Feed. Thanks for riding along and allowing me to be your audio accomplice. Join me next week for another feeding.